0: Welcome to the Dow of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Dow of Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Amy and Sarah and Derek and Paul and Ted. Good to have everyone today. Today we'll be talking about the first verse of Wensa, W-E-N-T-Z-U, Understanding the Mysteries, uh, translated by Thomas Cleary, and this was translated, if I recall correctly, from last week, this was in 1991, so this book was not available in English prior to that. Uh, this is another one of the books that give us some understanding in not in the Taoist religion, but in Taoist philosophy. And if you're new to the podcast, what we do, some of us have found that Taoist literature goes a long way to describing the higher power that we find in recovery, or it does for me anyway. And so we we enjoy learning about. What, what this says about the same, you know, the same powers, like someone described it to me. You know, if you're going up a large mountain, there are several paths at the bottom of the mountain. Those paths can look very different, you know, depending on which side of the mountain you're on, where you're at. But as you get closer and closer to the top, they start looking more and more alike. So that's what I have found. Uh, In some of these different uh, beliefs, the thing that really attracted me to Taoism was that it talks a lot about stillness, a lot about looking within, and a lot about acceptance. And I know from recovery that uh, me accepting things as they are right now was my real issue and still is my issue. I have found that peace is there for me when I am just still. I listen to one of my favorite podcasts this week, uh, Spiritual Awakening Radio. And this week he had a very good episode uh, about, uh, had a lot to do with stillness and silence and coming from all the different practices. And he took the verse, the Bible verse actually, uh, be still and know that I am God. He said, be still and know. Be still, be, and just set it, taking the last word off every time. Very powerful, very powerful it is. It is about just being. We'll be talking about some of that today. Um, we have a lot of resources at buddyc.org if you want to take a look there. We have I have a devotion that I'm writing that I'm about uh, a little over halfway through. It hasn't gone to the editor yet, so you'll see some. Run-on sentences and grammatical errors and all kinds of things, but uh, it's I've got a sign up there if you want to. We got I checked it the other day; it had ninety-seven people on it. I'm surprised. Just that's just to keep me accountable to keep writing, and then I'll turn it over to the editor before we publish. But uh, it's pretty good. Some of the days are real good, and some sound like fortune cookies. But uh, I'll weed the fortune cookies out and put something out. But I really like today's, and I think it matched. I let's see if I can find it.
1: Buddy, why don't you just mention fortune cookies? And I literally ate a fortune cookie right before this podcast <laughs> started.
0: This is the one from today. Withholding love. The quote is, if I do not withhold my love and humanity from others, they will not withhold theirs from me. The sage does not exalt herself. She exalts others instead. My thought with that is that step six and seven teach me that loving others is how love starts changing me one action at a time from the inside out. This change not only makes me more loving, but produces more self-love in my life. And the affirmation that I wrote with this was in this moment, I surrender to love. Show me ways I withhold love from others and in turn withhold love from myself. And some of what we'll be reading today is a little bit of a description of some of that. So, uh, oh, nightly, 9 p.m. Eastern, AA meeting, online zoom, AA dot uh, Amy, that's here, she chairs on, Friday, on Sunday night. And does a breakout on Friday and I chair on Friday night, the main meeting. So come join us sometime. That's nightly at 9 p.m. Eastern. Lots of good resources there at Buddyc.org that you can check out to a number of podcasts as well. Okay. The first verse of the Wintsa. Lounce said there is something undifferentiated. That was born before heaven and earth. It has only abstract images, no concrete form. It's deep, dark, silent, undefined. We do not hear its voice. Assigning a name to it, I call it the Way. Now, this reminds me a lot of the so far of the first verse of the Tao Te Ching 2. The Tao that can be told is not the Eternal Tao, the name that can be named, is not the eternal name. The way is infinitely high, enclosing heaven and earth. Receiving from the formless, it produces a stream running deep and wide without overflowing. Opaque, which, you know, it means it's not transparent. It uses gradual clarification by stillness. When it's applied, it is infinite and has no day or night. Yet, when it is represented, it does not even fill the hand. This is just a description of the way. Just describing the results, really, not not it, but kind of the uh, the evidence of it. You know, just uh, broad descriptions. How about that line? gradual uses gradual clarification by stillness i keep going back to that story that we read a couple of weeks ago the uh flight from the shadow how stillness stillness not only well the be still and know that we talked about a while ago most of the time the answers show themselves if or at least clarify. If I just give it a moment to settle down, if I just wait. If I just, one recovery would we'll call it Paul's
2: Ted. Um, this reminded me of actually the first book in, or the first page of the original big book, <laughs> the Bible. Um, the earth was out of form and void, and darkness was found in the face of the deep. And he saw the light, and it was good. Yeah, you well know, it almost seems like the two uh people are talking about the same thing.
0: Sure they are, Ted. I think so. Yeah. Um, it
3: I'm not a Bible person, the actual Bible. Well the one that Christians read, I should say. Um that doesn't it start like that? Something like that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's okay. what he was talking about with Genesis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything else, guys? Okay. It is restrained, but can expand. It is dark, but can illumine. It is flexible, but can be firm. It absorbs the negative and emits the positive, thus displaying the light of the sun, moon, and stars. Mountains are high because of it. Oceans are deep because of it. Animals run because of it. Birds fly because of it. Unicorns roam because of it. Phoenixes soar because of it. The stars run their courses because of it. It secures survival by means of destruction. Secures nobility by means of lowliness. And secures advancement by means of retirement. Anything on that sentence? That's a big one. For me, survival by means of destruction. I only learn my best lessons when things are difficult. I never learn when things are easy. Amy?
1: Yeah, so I just want to be a unicorn. Um, Survival by means of destruction. I mean, same, same concept, buddy. I think I'm just kind of running with your idea a little bit, but, um, I just know that I had to, I guess, God, I want to, I don't want to use cliche phrases, but I had to hit rock bottom, right? I had to hit bottom. What does that look like? Um, I quit digging. I just, I just got sick and tired. I was just done with the consequences. I just wanted the consequences to stop. I really wanted to keep drinking. I taken this to recovery, of course. I really wanted to keep drinking, but I wanted the consequences to stop. And I wanted that sense of ease and comfort that came up once. And so I chased that, right? But I burned my life to the ground. And I took some people with me, or tried to, you know. Um, so survival by destruction, that kind of makes me think of our character defects that were survival instincts gone wrong, right? Misguided instincts. Like they were exaggerated too much of this or not enough of that. Um, But they served me well until they, until I could start dissecting them and asking for their removal. Right. And then um, lowliness, like I couldn't, there was nowhere there was no further bottom for me to go. I mean, I guess there's always a, a trap door, right? But, um, and then secures advancement by means of retirement. What I got out of that part was, as long as my alcoholism stays retired or in arrestment or inactive, whatever word you want to put in there, then I have. I, I continue advancement. I continue becoming more of my true, authentic self. I, um, I might feel nobility um, because I'm not that. My perception of who I am is not that piece of shit that I was when I was drinking and drugging. Right? I don't know if this if if that makes any sense, but um, I do know that this is what I hope heaven is like. I hope this is what afterlife looks like for me. I want all of these. I guess the idea of pure freedom. I guess the Bible's reference. Gosh, where do these come from? Why do I only reference the Bible when I'm on this podcast? Milk and honey flow. I want to be in the land of milk and honey, right? That's what this makes me think of. So that's all I got for now.
0: I was thinking, thank you, Amy. I was thinking about. How about now in sobriety or times in sobriety when we have difficulty, when we've been around a while and drinking's not an issue, it's still difficulties that press me to that next level, that push me to whatever is is next. It, It still doesn't change because I have to be pressed to let go. I don't just let go automatically i i have a tendency you know you hear the let go and let god will always like to let go and get dragged and i have a tendency to be dragged uh, because i won't let go until it hurts enough what i can know is at any time that i'm going through a difficulty one this will pass And two, that's leading me to some for another freedom that I haven't had. And it looks to me that it looks like the way or the Tao always uses these things secure survival by means of destruction. So the survival comes from the destruction, the nobility comes from the lowliness, secure advancement comes from retirement.
2: Ted? Oh, you're muted, sir. I'm not real sure about um, the destruction. I know, I know from what I'm reading that mountains are high, oceans are deep, animals run, birds fly. It doesn't mention anything about fish, but fish swim because of the way they're all, it's like all encompassing. When I was drinking, it wasn't. All encompassing. There was too much of me involved. And once I, once I can get me out of the way, you know, maybe I'm not totally there yet, but once me is out of the way, um, things might be better. Now, if that's destruction of me, I, I, I'm just not, I'm just not sure. Um, maybe someone can, um, enlighten me on that one. Thank you, Ted. Anyone else?
3: What I thought of when you were reading it was um, about forest burns um, and how they burn parts of the forest on purpose. Or actually, it's not a day, like lightning strikes parts of the the forest naturally. And that's an important part of how the forest survives because parts of it have to burn in order for the undergrowth to be able to flourish. And I don't really can't explain it right, but that's a thing. The force has to burn in order to live. And then there's the other part about retirement. I don't know why I was thinking about this. But I was thinking about older people in positions of power needing to retire so that younger people can advance. And, you know, that's necessary. So the new ideas coming. Those are two things I was thinking about.
0: Thanks, Derek. Okay. I'm, I'm going to continue on. Oh, can I
4: can I say something? Oh, Sorry, yes. <laughs> I'm on the iPad, so it's hard for me to raise no my problem. hand. I <laughs> have figured it out. Um, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of just lost my thought. But um, okay, so I'm thinking about how it secures its survival um, by the means of destruction, and for me. I've had a hard time finding my place with, you know, with the higher power. And if for some reason, finding it with this way, the way the universe, this, this reading just gives me so much comfort because for me, I, I feel that the only way that the universe gets me to have that relationship with it is when I can be calm and meditate, but to get there I've had to go through all these these crazy mountains and and just so much destruction for me to be able to get there and get ego out of out of my way um, for me to find the way. <laughs> uh, so this this is really deep for me. And when we were reading it, the first thing I wrote is in the beginning because it did take me back to the Bible, and I don't know much about the Bible, but Genesis has been kind of the place where I've been uh, reading a lot lately and. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just have this, this thought of the universe or the way being somewhere dark and the only way that I can get there and, and obtain light from it is to have that meditation, that relationship. That's what I'm getting out of that.
0: Thanks, Sarah. Anyone else? Okay. In antiquity, the three august ones attained the unifying order of the way and stood in the center. Their spirits roamed with creation, and thus they comforted all in the four quarters. Uh, I looked back in the introduction, and there was a statement about the three august ones, and it just from what he said that represents just uh, stages of consciousness, like man waking up. And I I was listening to. Uh, Marshall Davis, and he's got uh, the Dow of Christ, I think is his podcast. And he was actually talking this last week that uh, the Ad- Adam and Eve story was, in his opinion, just uh, man's enlightenment. It was a story of enlightenment was how he interpreted it. So that would be similar to these three August ones. So. um This next paragraph, though, I really like. Thus, the way affects the movement of the heavens and the stability of the earth, turning endlessly like a wheel, flowing ceaselessly like water. It is there at the beginning and and end of things. As wind rises, clouds condense, thunder rumbles, and rain falls, it responds in concert. Infinitely. The uh, what is that the rain cycle, the evaporator that we talked about? (laughs) Hydrological cycle. It's just
1: just the water cycle.
0: Water cycle, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) uh, That's the water cycle. And it's just saying that it's endless. It happens all the time, continuously, in the you know, the largest body of water, the larger the body of water, the lower it is. And the more it gives back to the rest of the earth and is constantly on the move. It returns the carved and polished to simplicity. It does not contrive to do this, but merges with life and death. It does not contrive to express this, but communicates virtue. Hmm. So what's communicated is virtue. It involves a peaceful happiness that is without pride, thus attaining harmony. If you're missing peace in your life and harmony, are there ways that you might be prideful? You know, it's the lowest body of water that's the largest, which would be a sign of humility, right? There are myriad differences as the way facilitates life. It harmonizes dark and light, regulates the four seasons, and tunes the forces of nature. It moistens the vegetable world, permeates the mineral world. The beasts grow large, their coats lustrous. Birds' eggs do not break. Animals do not die in the womb. Parents do not suffer the grief of losing their children. Siblings do not experience the sadness of losing each other. Children are not orphaned. Women are not wedded. Atmospheric signs of ill omen are not seen. Robbery and banditry do not occur. All this is brought about by inner virtue. Hmm. All by inner virtue. That's why it's the Tao Te Ching, right? T-E is virtue. the, The book of virtue. The natural constant way gives birth to beings, but does not possess them. It produces evolution, but does not rule. it. All beings are born depending on it, yet none know to thank it. All die because of it, yet none can resent it. It is not enriched by storage and accumulation, nor is it impoverished. By disbursement and enjoyment. Oh, that's all of the, all of the extremes are there, right? If I create something, I have difficulty not possessing it. <laughs> First of all, all die because of it. Yet none can resent it. So not only can none think. Because they don't realize where their life comes from, how they were born. So they don't thank the way God, whatever name you want to put on this. And they die because of it, too. So that reminds me of in recovery with our sponsees, right? How we just share how it works for us so we don't take credit for their sobriety nor blame if they get drunk, right? It is not enriched by storage or accumulation. I look at all these things and I think of me and I am the opposite of all of these. You know, I am enriched when I've got more zeros in the bank and I feel like I lack when I don't. And this is saying that the way is not enriched by storage and accumulation, nor is it impoverished by disbursement or enjoyment. So I just have a
3: question. Sure. Okay. Are you interpreting this as we're, we're the way or we're supposed to take on some characteristics of the way? Or Because at first I was thinking the way is like, just, you know, oh. it's
0: like God. As what? I'm sorry, I can't use as, as God, I guess. As God.
3: Or whatever controls
0: the way things work in the universe. I think, I think of this think. as a description of God, yes, of what we think of as God, or that's the way I'm taking it, because this is a description for me, a description of love, really, when you look at it. All these are characteristics of love when you think about it. That's the way I'm, or virtue, or compassion, or kindness, or whatever name, you know, you want to put there, Derek, because for me, you know, if God is love, then God's an action, not a person, not a noun, but a verb, you know? And these this is all describing the result of actions, really, when you look at it. It is so ungraspable and undefinable that it cannot be imagined. Yet, while it is undefinable and ungraspable, its function is unlimited. So we don't have to imagine or understand for this to work for us. Profound and mysterious, it responds to evolution without form. Successful and effective, it does not act in vain. It rolls up and rolls out with firmness and flexibility. It contracts and expands with darkness and light.
2: Ted? Um, I don't know what um, love really is. But at first I thought the Tao was using um, mutually exclusive language. And maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's not true. I mean, it contracts and expands with darkness and, and light. Um, I'm seeing all of these paragraphs describing something that is far, far beyond me. Um, it is so, so strong. And it's everywhere. It's absolutely involved in everything and and is everywhere. And I, I can accept that. I can't necessarily live it. But I certainly can um, somewhat understand. Thank you, sir. Anyone
0: else? Um,
3: <laughs> that paragraph that talks about a myriad of differences, and then ends with atmospheric signs or a ill omen men are not seeing, Robert, robbery, bandit, and banditry do not occur. That struck me when you were reading and it's like the five o'clock news. If, you know, if I'm watching it and this seems to be all that's happening is a report of the weather and where did the crimes occur today and all these sort of things, but um, uh, oh yeah, so then I was thinking about it from the standpoint that it seems to be placing it here, which is it did not occur. It was all brought about by inner virtue. I don't really know what that means, but um, it occurs to me that you know, when one person is robbed it may be a matter of perspective, or maybe let's Maybe weather is easier to say. What I'm trying to say is, okay, what you see is rain. I see is watering the crops, and you no, know, it's just in how you see it. I think that's what I'm trying to say.
0: Could be, Derek. I was thinking that paragraph was talking about that if if we turn to inner virtue, if we start uh, letting our inner virtue run our life, that this paragraph is the result of doing that. So that, that's the way I was looking at that. And it's true. You know, we we want to judge the moment as being good or bad and figure out what we did wrong to make something bad happen and what we did right to make something good happen, you know, <laughs> when it's just not that way. How about this? This is 1 Corinthians 13 in the message version. Starting with, I don't know, somewhere five or six. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others doesn't revel when others grovel takes pleasure in the flowering of truth puts up with anything Trust God always always looks for the best never looks back but keeps going to the end love never dies huh you know I've never regretted a situation in life when I did the right thing never do I recall. A situation where, you know, when I did that right action, that balancing action that, uh, that I regretted it. Never, ever, ever can I say that. I think this is just a description of our higher powers. What I, that's, that's how I see it.
2: You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure what the right, and the wrong thing is, um, for example, um, Derek was mentioning uh, when he thinks of rain, he thinks of watering crops. Uh, lately, when I turn on the news, I definitely think of a, of buildings being washed away and going down the river for seven miles <laughs> before it sinks. Um, I have a who lives in Montana, who lives just outside Yellowstone. National Park. And he says he lives on higher ground, so things actually get worse when they reach him, but it has more room to expand. Um, he says that this building going into the river definitely is bad for some people, but it's great for his fishing. It's wonderful for his fishing. <laughs> and so to, to say that it depends on which way you're looking at it, is is definitely true um that's that's where i'm a little confused between whether what's right and what's wrong i really i'm not i'm not quite sure because you can take a look at something that you feel is wrong and it's better fishing man he he was concerned about this one major bridge ending up in his front yard well, he lives pretty darn close to a river. So it would just be like Trout Unlimited putting in a, a, something in the river to catch fish better. Uh, he says he'll probably live with that, with that, um, bridge in his front yard for a while, but it's, it's an obstruction. It's, it's good for, for fishing. Um, he says that the next worst thing that'll happen in, in uh, Yellowstone Park is it'll explode. Because uh, it's it's on top of a, of a volcano, actually. That's why you get all the sulfur pits and what have you. And he says, "Don't even bother calling after that, because I'll be toast." So, you know, I I just I buddy, I just I just don't know what's good and what's bad anymore. Maybe that's one of my problems.
0: It is mine for sure,
2: Ted. Amy.
0: Yeah. So. Um I really like
1: the idea of um, perception, what like I perceive as, you know, a lot of people think like, oh my God, you're an alcoholic, isn't that so terrible, you're never going to have fun, you're never going to, you know, life is going to suck forever and ever and you can't do anything and, you know, all those horrible things and it's just terrible and I'm like, "Mm, what is it? Because if I wasn't an alcoholic, if that terrible destructive thing that I was doing if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't have gotten sober and I damn sure wouldn't have the life I have today. I would have just stayed in that misery. Um, when I just keep thinking of St. Francis prayer, especially when Ted said, I don't know what's right and what's wrong. Um, I don't necessarily either. I can almost always figure out the wrong thing to do because <laughs> I was so good at that for so long. Um, but I kind of make choices and decisions based on like that innermost self, that God consciousness, if you will, that gut instinct, that, that feeling. Like when I'm about to do something that's questionable or say something that's questionable, my, con- my subconscious, my innermost self, whatever goes berserk and I feel icky. And so that's kind of in, intuitive. What is that the promise? And we'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. So that intuition, I guess, is what I'm trying to get. But all of this, especially, buddy, when you were reading about the love thing and what is love and love is not and then um you know, um I, I guess my personal experience with this right now is is like, as we're having this meeting right now, there's some text messages and stuff going back between my sisters and my mom and I, because my uncle has a very aggressive form of brain cancer. And I am not insensitive to what's going on with him at all. It's my uncle. It's my, my mom's dad. I mean, he's an integral part of my childhood, you know, Christmas and summers and And all of that stuff. But at this point in my recovery and the things that I've studied and read and worked on within myself, like I know that being born in and of itself is a death sentence, right? Every single thing that is born is going to die one day. And again, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I just am... Right now, I, I'm about how can I be of maximum service? It's not about me as a victim. Oh, my gosh, my uncle's dying. It's bad. It's getting worse. You know, I'm, I just want to be. I, and I'm not even trying to like tell my mom or my sisters that their perception is wrong. You know, because they're, they're, I, I don't want to call it false hope, but it's a really aggressive brain cancer. There's only really one outcome that that's going to, whether it's sooner, sooner or later, but, but my perception is I'm in total acceptance of the outcome. What can I do to ease your, or to make you more comfortable mama right now? What can I do for you? Can I book you a flight? Can I go with you? Can we, do we need to jump in a car? What do we need to do to go to Texas? I don't, I don't know what that looks like. Um, but it's it's back to that you know parents do not suffer the grief of losing their children siblings do not experience the sadness of losing each other you know i'm i'm not experiencing yet the sadness of losing my uncle of course it's not gone yet um but i know that i've got a program that teaches me how to show up for life situation right life on life's terms my mom doesn't so for me to read this I get I I can see that but if my mom were to read this right now she'd be like what the actual fuck do you mean I'm devastated already that my brother is about to die so I, I think it's a lot of perception I think it's a lot of experience I think it's a lot of the journey, you know, what does my journey look like and where am I today? Um, thanks for letting me go off on that little tanner.
0: Yeah, Amy, I think that's real important that our I think our shift, our our whole motivation changes. It changes from trying to prove I am right to how can I love you, how can I help you? It's like our motivation for living changes from Fear of death to love of life, you know, it's that whole shift that starts to happen as we start maturing in recovery and maturing spiritually, of just a little bit. Uh, our motivation for all these things change, and it's not that your mother's wrong because she's not; it just is. That's one thing I've really been working on lately. I think the reason that they're not right and wrong decisions is because they're just the best decision I could make in the moment. I couldn't make a different decision. By the same token, the universe doesn't make mistakes in the way it's expanding right now. So there's not another me in it to compare what decisions I made yesterday to. I can't, there's nothing else to compare me to. So how can I say there's a better decision than the decision I made you, you see what I'm saying? I mean that that whole that's just a waste of energy to even do the right, wrong, you know, I should've the shouldas, you know.
2: Ted? Well, I I know that the shouldas are really get to you. Um, my wife's mother passed from brain cancer. Her last few days were not fun. And there's nothing you could have done to make things better for her because she was gone. Um, I have this 94-year-old friend who says he's not afraid of death. He doesn't like what it takes physically to get there. And I think that's. You know, it's hard for us to understand, but maybe birth really is a lot like like death. You know, death maybe is, or some type of rebirth It's just that what gets us there is a real bummer. And there's nothing anybody can say to you. There's nothing anybody can tell you to make things any better once you're on that road to uh, checking out.
0: You know, Ted, something else with that, too. Anytime we have a death in this life, death of a marriage, a relationship, a job, any of those things, it goes through those same phases of death. And there's a time there that is very difficult and it's very, very similar to a physical death when you think about it. I mean, there is suffering that goes on. When it's time to make a change, let's say if it's even something like a job change for a lot of us, it's hard to quit that job that we know that we need to leave. So we because we can't find the new thing till we leave the old, you know, that kind of a thing. It's hard to, you know, if you're in a relationship that's not serving you and you say it's time to change that. All those things can be very, very difficult in the transition period in that transition can be very difficult and it's the same thing thank you because I've needed that Uh, and I'm coming out of a depression I've never been depressed like this before I'm clinically depressed Um, I've been going to doctor about it and I've never felt like I didn't want to get out of bed that you know oh god another day that kind of stuff and I don't talk about it a lot Out, But I have, I think I'm coming out of it, but I have been just, and I know that it's going to be different and eventually it's, it's got to be better. So I I know I'm coming out of it, but there's a lot of deaths that we experience during life that if we, uh, if we're not careful, we'll think our whole life is about that moment, you know, And, and we have to realize that it's not.
2: You know, buddy, I I have to agree with you 100%. I mean, both my mother and my father passed away when they were 65. I'm older than 65 right now, so I feel I've always felt they've lived a borrowed time, you know. But, you know, I'm, I'm 72 years old and I still do things for my parents. Hey, mom, dad, am I doing okay, you know? Hey, I'm sorry about the last year or so, but I'm trying to do better. What do you think? So they're still, they're still there. They're still on my mind, even though they, uh, they passed. And I know that, you know, living through that time when they were passing was, was not good, but it contracts and expands with darkness and light. You need the darkness. You need the light. You need. Um, high mountains, you need deep, deep lakes and rivers. It is
0: right, Ted. It just is. Yeah. That's what I love about uh, Byron Katie's God is reality. Just whatever is. And that's really where I'm coming to with this and stopping this judgment of things being good or bad is just. What is today? This is the best thing going. What I have going right now in this minute is the best thing going for me
2: at this moment. And boy, that sure is true, buddy. That sure is true. What's happening right now means an awful lot to every single one of us.
0: We can only be happy in the moment. We can't We can't even be happy expecting to have fun tomorrow or whatever we've got planned. You know? Oh, I'm going to be happy then. I'm happy now about that. Well, I, I don't know, but I can really just enjoy the moment. It's all I can do. There.
3: Yeah, Amy brought up perception, which I thought was interesting because I went to a face-to-face meeting today. Yay! And uh, at lunch, and so somebody said in the meeting something that I stopped and wrote down in my phone. You know, because I was like, "Whoa, that's good." And it was, um, or it hit me: it's that we have the problem of perception. You know, yes, we have alcohol, alcohol is only, you know, that problem. And then once that's removed, we have the problem of perception. Still, we had it before we still have it. And for me, that couldn't be any truer. If I think I'm in a blue room, good luck convincing me otherwise. Um, But, uh, I don't know, it just occurred to me, like, that is a large part of what this first chapter seems to be about is, not thinking that things are good or bad, or like there's a bigger plan for it all, sort of thing. You know? Trying to
0: read it chapter
2: Thank you, Derek. No matter what the disaster, the fishing gets better.
0: You know, it's interesting, too, just to wrap this up. We're going to call these verses, just to, we'll just call them verses. Gradual clarification by stillness is one characteristic of the way in the second uh, paragraph there. It uses gradual clarification by stillness. If you don't know what to do, be still. Be still and know. Just be. Okay. Next, it survives. It secures survival by means of destruction secures nobility by means of lowliness and secures advancement by means of retirement. In other words, we're in a situation that seems destructive to us. It might be securing our survival or a lowly situation. It may mean nobility situation where it doesn't look like, it looks like we're uh, giving up. We might really be advancing. It responds infinitely. It involves a peaceful happiness that is without pride, thus attaining harmony. All is brought about by inner virtue. So we got to look within, and it cannot be imagined yet while it's undefinable and ungraspable, its function is unlimited. You do not have to understand anything about love for love to work in your life. You don't have to have any set of beliefs what we found in recovery is when I start helping someone and encouraging them, I am, I am encouraged from that act. And that's what they found in AA. That was the secret Bill found. I mean, if you look, you know, working with others, the very first words of that, uh, on page 89, working with others, the very first sentence, Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. If I'm having an issue with something, I ask my higher power, I thought, please put someone in my life that I can help. And someone will show up, usually with a similar issue or someone will come to mind. And I know that, oh, while this is bothering me and I haven't let this go, I need to pray for them to let that go and see how that helps me. And it always helps me. Always, always, always. You know, this is another example of that, trying to describe how the strawberry tastes. All this verse was, was describing the strawberry, right? Amy? Yep. Big book quote 417 Nothing,
1: absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes.
0: There's that inner virtue. What is God's world? It is reality, right? Mm-hmm. What is? Good conversation today, guys. Thank you.
1: Yeah, literally, you just said, what is, buddy? Oh, my God, I love the synchronicity of this meeting. It's just right on time because nothing absolutely happens in God's world by mistake. But anyway, literally, when I was talking to my twin sister earlier, and she was like, well, what if, what if, what if, what if? And I was like, you know what? You go ahead down your rabbit hole of what ifs. I am going to stay in what is. And what is right now is when do we need to get mama to Texas? And is it going to be you or me or both? Period. That's what it is. And she was like, thank you for that bitch life. I needed it.
0: I'm like, You're so welcome. <laughs> but isn't it so much simpler when we can just stay in the moment? Even in difficult situations, it's still so much simpler and easier. doesn't mean that life is not going to have its issues because it does for everyone. Because that's life. This is teaching us the skills to be able to cope and handle those things in a place of love rather than a place of fear.
2: Well, I was just thinking that I believe that the word mindfulness is getting really a bad rap. Um, Mindfulness means means living for right now. And that's that's where we're at. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else?
0: guys thank y'all for a great meeting and we will see you next week hello this is buddy c i wanted to make you aware of several recovery related resources that i've posted in the episode description these resources include a list of recovery podcasts a free sober meditation app daily recovery email shared google recovery calendars hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week